back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. In the PropTech hot seat today, we have Jeremy Sparrow, CEO, and David Fullerton, Head of Sales of Captigo. And we're going to learn all about Captigo as uh, some one of the uh, exciting PropTech providers in the marketplace right now, perhaps potentially with an eye on the Irish marketplace. So, Jeremy, we'll start with you. You're very welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having us. And so, Jeremy, I mentioned there that you are the CEO, uh, but you were formerly the chair um, of Captigo. So you might just talk us through what is uh, Captigo and what is the offering? Sure. And look, Captigo is really formed because one of the founders was um, an architect who had been spending many, many years building houses, designing houses, and he had tried numerous different technology opportunities to try and improve his, if you like, processes and just didn't get anywhere. So he actually decided he was going to do it himself and teamed up with a product designer who was another of the founders who was based out in uh, California. And they built Captigo. And it was very much designed to be something very easy to use, very powerful in terms of your ability to get people to collaborate and everyone to be able to access and gather data. And then in the back end, for us to be also able to provide the tools that can analyze um, and display that data in uh, either report form or via dashboards. But it's all about bringing data into the construction industry. That's been very much the goal of Captigo. And really, data into a number of different inspection fields. But obviously, construction is a big part of what we do. Um, in the UK market right now, obviously, construction, particularly in an Irish context, but we know globally, um, is in difficulty right now. How are you finding the marketplace there? Or how are your clients finding the marketplace? Are they in a position that they can resource uh, that they can resource investing in new technologies. Yeah, well, I, do you want me to say this one, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, actually there's more of a need than ever um, to to invest in technology for these businesses. I think one of the things that attracts people to technology is the fact that it can save a lot of time. Uh, across the business by streamlining process, connecting to other systems. So those efficiencies allow the same resource to carry out more work um, uh, across the field operation. So there's there's this need to bring technology in for streamlining. Um, but on the other side, as Jerry mentioned, there's this also huge need for data, um, more so information and actually what's going on in the field. And are we being held up on projects in construction, for example, because of something that we can't see right now? So I actually think the need for this technology is so much stronger than than anything else that people are actually finding the, the the resource to invest in technology because they're starting to see that this could be a real issue for them. And in fact, some companies are coming across these issues. Uh, and as we know, people buy when there's a when there's a pain point, and these pains are coming to the surface more and more um, now uh, than ever in construction. I think that's a great point, David. You know, um, they do buy when there's a pain point because actually, unlike prop tech i think construction and construction technology the adoption of that has been driven in quite a different way than maybe we've seen in prop tech across the broader uh, real estate sector so we know that construction um is delivered at an extremely tight margin much tighter than many areas of real estate so that makes not just price sensitivity but actually 
um, maybe less of a willingness to take a risk. So yes, there's a pain point, um, but you really need to have a proven ability to address that pain point. So uh, did you find, how did you find the process of getting in, getting started, pilots, case studies, so that you were able to prove that you were addressing the pain points? How did you find that process? Well, that's it. It was exactly that. We were um, offering pilots to companies to prove to them that actually it could it could be different to what they're actually experiencing right now. I think, you know, in the in the whole construction industry, the prop tech um, sort of umbrella, as it were, technology is we all know that the construction industry is a little bit behind with uh, with some of the technologies bringing in. We've got this fantastic technology at one side for design and, and you know, the likes of BIM and digital twins. But actually, software and technology in the field for the operatives is i feel a little bit behind and we're seeing a little bit of a surge at the moment so most of them are a little bit apprehensive about going and using technology because they've tried and failed possibly in the past or they've tried to build their own to their exact specification and it failed before so i think there is a little bit of a like i said an apprehension to to use technology so it's about showing the companies within these industries that there is a better way and i think that that challenge of showing people that we can engage anyone in the field no matter what tech ability kind of knocks down some of those barriers because actually this this can be a really easy thing to adopt it just requires the need and the want to do it and actually the tech is really simple um, for the user to use so actually showing that ability to be able to get anyone to use it has knocked down some of those barriers and then they're kind of full hog with uh, with wanting to use it so yeah by going in to demonstrating it in the field um, we actually are quite hands-on um, although we work in a remote sense you know I'll visit a construction site or I'll visit a, you know a surveyor across the country to actually sit down with them and show them that it can be an easy thing for them to do. So, so that's kind of how we approach that in the early days. Very good. I, I know when we were looking at kind of emerging construction technologies back in the middle of the last decade, there were so many good standalone solutions. Um, and really, I think what we've learned now, uh, seven, almost eight years on, is that uh, integration is the name of the game. So uh, people don't want to feel like they have invested in technology unwisely in the past. So actually, it's always a case of I always think of improv. Improv is always about never saying no. It's yes and. And I think actually that's really good for technology construction or construction technology providers. You can't say no to what's already being invested in. You have to say yes and look at what's there at the moment and see how can we integrate this? How can we build on this? Because um, part of it is financially driven, but a huge part of it is an unwillingness to accept that investment was made unwisely or not or not, but actually we need companies to be able to innovate, but we also need them to be able to, to test and experiment. And actually they're penalized for making a decision that, that didn't uh, turn out to be correct, then they won't do that again. So actually we can't penalize people for adopting new technologies that don't work exactly right, but we do need to lessen the number of times that happens. So in terms of integrations, how important a factor was that for your clients? Mm -hmm. Jeremy, do you want to take this one? Well, it's obviously very, very critical. And one of the things that, you know, when we set out with Captigo was we were very, very conscious. We don't want to be the master of all things, right? So there are very good project management systems and billions of dollars have been spent from enormous names that are household names we don't want to compete or reinvent the wheel what we want to do is just 
find the piece that we know we can deliver better than anyone else and integrate that into the various systems. So be it into their project management systems, whatever it is, we can utilize and plug into it. And again, you know, all we're trying to do is simplify the ability to gather that data and get it into whatever project management tools you want to use. And then we can actually work with those companies. And we have a very extensive customer success team that will work with those businesses to layer on top of that a lot of analytical tools as well that we we can help them integrate or build for them. Very good. And then, but in terms of, I, I love the idea of understanding what it is that you do well and really doubling down on that. So in terms of, say, the case studies where clients have had the most success, you know, what are the areas that you have honed in on? In terms of uh, success, you know, as Jeremy mentioned, our ability to connect to other systems has been one of our superpowers. I think for future-proofing technology, if somebody's going to make the investment decision to buy more technology, it has to be for the long run, right? We don't want to be tripping over software every year. So the ability to to connect to other systems has been a huge selling point for, for CapTigo. And we have focused on that ability to be able to give companies a way of engaging everybody in the field to collect better data for their system. Because a system is only as good as the input, right? You, you've got a CRM system, a project management system. They are only as good as the data that you put in. So we're that kind of missing link there. So we have doubled down on um, being that missing link for those companies. But there are uh, a lot of users of CapTigo that use Captigo as a, as a standalone platform as well, because actually it's very powerful in its own right for collecting data and being able to put that into um, different forms of reporting. So we take a very different approach to the whole data collection reporting process, whereas typical apps kind of collect to put in a PDF or to report it. We actually enable people to collect data and then run reports from it. So that's a very significant difference. Um, so those kind of two use cases have, have really differentiated us. And that's kind of what we're looking at is the ability to connect in to the wider system, but also uh, not ignoring those that that can use Captigo in its own right and actually uh, experience the power of the platform. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of any system is only as good as the quality of data that's going in. And I think, you know, we've all become quite used to the, the cliche of uh, rubbish in, rubbish out. Um, but actually, I, I think that while I welcome the absolute focus on improving the the data that's being collected and the quality of that data, I don't know if I'm fully convinced that main contractors are using the insights. Are they, are they using that data to gather insights? So they're running reports. Do they understand why they're running reports? Are they using that to feed into program? Are they using it to learn and build on for the next project in terms of influencing tenders and pricing and prequals? You know, I, you know I, I think our understanding of data has definitely evolved and that's great. I don't think we're at anywhere close to hitting the potential of what can be achieved in terms of outcomes. And I, I'm wondering where where is the next area that we need to focus on? Is it on, you know, now that companies understand the power of data, is it actually teaching them how to use it really well for commercial success? Yeah, you're right. And, and a lot of companies also, God. No, I was just going to say, I mean, just I, I think, you know, life cases are quite often good examples of how it works rather than talking in the abstract. So, in Denmark, we had a construction business, and we had obviously they had used Captigo throughout the build process. 
And what they have found out that a lot of they were getting a lot of cracks um, in the buildings after a sort of one or two years. And actually, subsequently, when they've gone back and looked through all the data from Captiga and the way that we've laid it out for them, they worked out that there was actually a problem with the mortar and it was the supplier, the contractor for that, that would cause the issue. Now, I very much doubt, had they not used our system, would they have actually worked that out or certainly worked it out as quickly? And because we can look at it on, you know, a hotspot, you can see all of these places, you can then drill into which contractor did what, and you can really laser focus in on where have been the problems and can we look at a pattern that we can avoid in the future? And I think these are the things, it's the learnings you know, producing PDFs is fantastic and people have it, but that generally goes in a drawer and that data is lost. Our view is data is a stream and you just keep it running. So you start at day one when you're laying down foundations and you keep going through. And at that point, you know, we talk about a black box being a house that you move into a house and it is what it is. But it's almost like an X-ray vision that we allow because you can look behind every single piece of that house being constructed. And hence, if there's problems, you can see straight back through like an X-ray to who created that problem and where should it be? How should it be resolved? Hmm. Um, I, I feel like there's so much we could delve into there, but there's something I'm quite curious about and I'm conscious of the time that we have available to us this morning. So if we can maybe step outside of Captigo for a moment, Jeremy, you are, if you don't mind me saying, probably the holy grail for startups. So while you're the CEO of Captigo now, you're actually a former international banking CEO who invested in this Danish startup. So you might just give us a little bit of insight there as to the journey that took. And I'm asking for a very specific reason. Uh, right now, there are so many startups who are beginning to learn that investment uh, investment from the wrong sources is not, not necessarily going to help your company or your startup strategically. Um, so I think the concept of a strategic investment has really dominated and in construction tech, we see this is done much better than in prop tech. And I'm curious to break that down. So you might just talk us through your experience, um, <clears throat> if you're open to that. No, of course. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, the, the way I would come at it was I was advising a very large business out of uh, California and the founder and CEO had mentioned Captigo saying that in his view, here was a very transformational business. These were three founders that were exceptional in each of the things they did, but frankly, they were not desperately commercial. And um, they certainly weren't very good at raising money. And that's very often true for really, you know, geniuses in technology, design, et cetera. Why should they be good at raising money? And that's obviously something that I've had quite a long background on is advising businesses and helping them with that. So I came in and I invested and got quite a few friends of mine uh, and colleagues of mine to invest. And, you know, I came in as chairman really to see that investment and help them move to the UK because it was a Danish business. And my view was I didn't want to invest in something that was purely going to be in a relatively small country versus the, the rest of the world, but it should be spread you know, uh, internationally and we need to demonstrate that. So I helped bring it into the UK and we hired a team, a number of different people here in the UK. 
Um, and after about nine months, the founders actually said, look, would I step up and be CEO of the business? Because we've obviously got further ambitions and obviously other uh, fundraising opportunities as we go forward. So it was quite a difficult decision for me because it was a very big difference from being a chairman looking down on a business and giving advice to actually 24 hours a day operating a business. And um, so I had a very long, hard think about it and then said, yeah, I think it would be very exciting. And it's purely based off the basis that I've seen hundreds of different opportunities in this space come available. And this one just absolutely leapt out as a standout opportunity and something that is so scalable um, and so relevant around the world. Um, because our view is data is going to dominate everything going forward. Those that can use that data, collaborate, help businesses collaborate and present that are going to win. So for me, it was a very obvious decision. And I'm you know, delighted to say the business has been growing exceptionally fast. So, um, you know, it's onwards and upwards. And I think our next challenge will be looking very much towards the States as an opportunity. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. I think many of our uh, many of people within the prop tech and construction tech uh, startup ecosystem will be really interested to hear that. And I'm going to push you for one final thing, because I know this is a question that comes up when we run startup panels with mentors. And that is um, if you had to rate in order of, I, I don't know, do I want to say attractiveness or what you think is a priority? Um, is it the founder team? Is it the technology or is it the concept and idea? Can you rate them? Can you rate them or is it something else? I think um, if, if I was to have a go with that, I think in any startup, if you are going to be investing or looking at the success of it, it is down to the personalities. So you have to have the core skills and determination to succeed in something that's tough. Right? You know, any startup, it's tough and you, you're going to get knocks and it's how quickly you pick yourself up and run again. So I think team is very, very important. Um, concept clearly is what brings a team together. So it, it, it has to be. And I can't remember the third one. Apologies. Uh, the third one. Sorry, we had talked about the concept and the technology. So the IP that the company has developed. Yeah, I mean, I think personalities is the key. So if you're if you're ranking it, I would have personalities, and then concept would obviously be close behind that. Um, but you 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 can have a very very good concept if you don't have the team that can deliver it and the skill set. It just stays as a concept. I you know I think it is so interesting that of the three priorities you actually forgot the ip and the technology and yet so many startups think that's the most important and yet when it came to judging this that was the one you you forgot you um so that just shows the importance of the personalities driving the concept um so th that's so interesting to hear thank you so much for that and i suppose before we wrap up david i'm really interested because i know you're at the cold face there speaking to your clients um how are they feeling about um i suppose really in the long term, I'm interested how they're feeling about the next five to 10 years. But I suppose as a matter of priority, how are they feeling about the next 12 months? Yeah, um, I, I think there's some excitement um, around in, in the industry. I talk to a lot of innovators. So I, I, I work across 
construction, insurance, housing associations, anything from actually constructing the properties to monitoring them and surveying them for you know disrepair, damp mold, etc. So these are quite archaic industries, and they're and they're very kind of. Um, no, I wouldn't say behind because that's not fair for an industry to say it's behind completely. But actually, from a technology perspective, they're big ships to steer. Yeah. So you can't just bring in new technologies left, right and centre. There's some considerations to make in some of these larger organisations. But what I'm finding popping up in all of these different things is innovators, people within departments that go, I've seen this technology and this could change the way that we do things for our customers. This could change the way that we do things for health and safety. This could change. And, and these innovators are actually, you know, finding things like Captigo and then bringing them to the business and kind of banging the drum and saying, no, 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 we need to innovate. We all hear stories of, you know, innovate or, or die as a business, you know, the blockbuster Netflix um, story that everybody knows. So th these innovators are the ones driving it. So I think there's some excitement out there amongst people but you're always going to get this adoption curve right so you've got the early innovators the early adopters and then obviously the late majority and, and and laggard so i am seeing more and more of that early majority come through in the discussion so i think the next year is going to be a really interesting one um you know we have unfortunate news um in these industries that that sparks action you know unfortunate things like grenfell tower um the the more recent um you know damp and mold case and and these are the things unfortunately that do drive change within the industry but i think that it's about time now that the the, the change happens and being able to get our hands on more data and information to make better decisions for a more safer and better um you know built environment so i am i am seeing some excitement come through now um, uh, mixed with a little bit of we need to do this now. So yeah. I think it's the right mix um, of, of feelings out there. No, I listen, I think that's great. And I think you've been very diplomatic in your description of where the industry is in terms of <laughs> tech adoption. To be honest, I would probably be a little more critical or perhaps honest and say to the industry, <laughs> yes, there are some leaders, but actually the gap between those who are driving adoption and those who are not is widening and quite frankly i'd be very concerned about those who are at the wrong side of that gap i think they're making it very difficult for themselves to survive over mm. the next couple of years and they're making uh I, and i think the chances of catching up get more and more slight as the gap widens um so that's just kind of a, a note of caution that i would say um to the industry that actually we probably need to stop going so easy on them and say actually it's it's time to to get moving yeah. with this because this is what your funders want this is what your investors want um the technology exists and more importantly your competitors are using it i so, do see um, i do see them trying to to get tech but they get it wrong because what they think they need and what they actually need is often not the same thing. And I, and I see requests for proposals of saying, can you build or can you give us this? Or, Have you got this? Can it do this? Can it do that? And it's always this old way of thinking. And it's kind of like trying to digitalize the current process as opposed to looking at new ways. So I don't think it's necessarily the adoption of tech. I think it's being innovative in general about new ways of doing things and actually placing importance on things like consistent, good quality data and not just tech for tech's sake. So I do see a lot of people using tech. So um, when I say um, not so much behind, they are trying to get tech. I just think that they're looking at it in the wrong way in terms of 
what type of tech that they use. We've got this, you know, designing buildings and being able to do digital twins is fantastic. Um, but then we can't get data from the field from from a from a ground worker or like and and so that's where Captigo fits in is it's kind of flipped the script there and actually making it really easy to get good consistent quality data from the field into these systems and actually doing it in a slightly different way to to uh to what's been been done for many many years so i'd just just like to add to that that i think um you you know it's never too late to start i mean Mm. if you are behind on the curve the beauty about technology is actually it's becoming more and more straightforward to implement and use it and that's the beauty about it it used to be very cumbersome difficult and you know hard to train people and what we've always been saying is you know just try it out we'll come we'll work with you no one has to do anything you try it see if it works for you and if it works for you then we can fully implement it and go forward but there's no risk to you trying it Mm. Yeah. Now, look, I, I think that that is a great way. That's a great way to to round off our interview today. There's no risk in trying it. And I would go a little bit further and maybe say to larger companies that you have to build in uh, a certain buffer and allow your innovation team to try things. And that means getting some things wrong and learning from them quickly and moving on to to put that learning into action. So um, thank you so much. Thank you so much to you both. That was Jeremy Sparrow and uh, David Fullerton of Captigo. And that's it from us this week. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>